Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. I'm your host, Colleen Deli. The ongoing Vatican judicial investigation into a questionable London real estate investment was back in the news this week when an Italian daily paper reported that five employees had been fired in connection with the deal before the investigation was complete. America's veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell dug into the story and reported that the situation was a little bit more complex. So this week on our special bonus episode, Jerry and I will walk you through what you need to know about the Vatican's London finance scandal. Let's get right into it. Good morning from New York, Jerry. Good afternoon from sunny Rome, Colleen, where uh, more people on the street, but still much fewer than we had anticipated. Mm-hmm. It's It'll be a gradual process. Um, let's get started with some background on this London real estate deal. This story starts back in 2012 when an Italian businessman, Raffaele Mincione, was approached about investing $200 million on behalf of the Vatican in an oil company in Angola. That didn't work out, so instead he advised the Vatican to invest the $200 million in buying a 45% share in a building in London that was going to be converted into luxury apartments. Now, it's normal for the Vatican to do this kind of investing to try to multiply the money that's given to it through donations. But the property value on this building dropped. The Vatican wanted out of the deal, and Minchone said that the only way to get out of it was to buy the rest of the building, too. Well, you have here uh, a Vatican investment through Italian middlemen. Middleman, because there was Minchone first, but there was then later somebody else as well involved. And there was a lot of unclarity about it. As he was getting paid for his services, he was also making some money on it. And especially in at the buyout phase, he was to, to make quite a bit of money. Minchone was going to make a lot of money on the buyout because he owned the rest of the building. In England, and here in Rome too, many people are saying, why did they have to involve Minchone? in the buying of property in London, when you have many professional Catholic men, expert in the financial field, expert in the London property market, who could have done the job, and perhaps pro bono. Why did you have to get an Italian with some question marks? And why did you lose so much? Why did you never involve people in London on this question? In the Vatican, the investment had been approved by then-Monsignor Angelo Becciu, who is now a cardinal and working in another office. It was Becciu's successor who encountered the problem of needing to buy out the building. When he approached the Vatican Bank to ask for the money, a red flag went up. Why was the Vatican involved in such a bad deal with these middlemen? So the Pope was informed by the head of the Vatican Bank that there was something not quite right. And the Pope said... Well, if you see problems, you should talk to the Justice Department. And they went to the Justice Department. Justice Department said, well, we'll have to investigate. The Pope said, go right ahead. Go as far as needs be to wherever your investigation takes you. And for the first time ever, they raided the offices of the Vatican Secretariat of State and also the head of the uh, Financial Information Authority, which is the body that was set up to monitor money laundering or the movement of money. It was to observe if everything was going properly. 
Vatican police have seized documents and electronic devices, their phrase, from departments within the Vatican as they investigate suspected financial irregularities. The employees whose offices were raided were suspended, and they've been under investigation ever since. And that brings us up to the present day. An Italian daily reported last week that the five employees had been fired before the investigation into their actions was complete. But Cherry reported in America Magazine this week that their situation was a little more complicated than the Italian report made it out to be. First off, there were the two priests, who were both dismissed from their positions in the Holy See's diplomatic corps and sent back to their dioceses. As I explained in my article, it is not unusual in any organization. If you lose the confidence of your superiors or those in charge, then you leave your job, you, you remove from your job or whatever. They were sent back to their diocese. Now, there were two lay people, Mr. Mauriello and Mr. Terabassi, who were also suspended last October. Now, I understand that perhaps the contract of Mr. Terabassi has been terminated. Again, not in relation to this investigation, which is still going on, but perhaps other reasons. Mr. Mauriello is still suspended, and the suspension has been extended until next July. So his contract is still in place. Yes, his contract is still in place. The Vatican has not explained why they have done this. Because when the investigation goes on, as is normal in any judicial process, there's a lot of uh, silence over what is happening to protect the person involved being investigated and also to avoid any leaks from the process. Now, the other person... Di Ruzza, Thomas Di Ruzza, was head of the financial authority. His contract had ended and it was not renewed. So you cannot say he was dismissed. He was simply not renewed. Jerry believes that it's a mischaracterization of the situation to say that all of these employees were fired because of their involvement in the scandal. But the non-renewal of Tommaso Di Ruzza's contract caught some heat in the Vatican. Half the board of the Vatican's financial watchdog and the president of that watchdog, whose contract was also not renewed, were treated, and the entire board wrote a statement supporting the two men's investigations. But after hearing about all this, my question was, why hasn't now Cardinal Betchew, who said that he oversaw the London transactions, faced any sort of investigation or suspension while the people who worked under him have? You would have to ask the prosecutors why they operate in this way. I, I do not know. But obviously, you, you start at the operational level. Uh, the big question here is, uh, some have suggested that they're only going after the lay people, not after the clerics. This is not true. Pope Francis has made very clear, whatever level you're at, if you have responsibility for something that has gone wrong and you've been taking wrong decisions, you are to be held responsible. I, I, I think the days when, you know, that you were a cardinal, a bishop, monsignor, and you were not prosecuted, but the, all the lay people were, I think that has ended. So it is not the fact that Bechu is a cardinal today that has prevented this. If the prosecutors come up and conclude that Bechu has senior responsibility. I am sure 
he, he will be brought before the courts as well. Now, one of the big questions that's worth asking is, how much did the Pope know about this deal? Cardinal Bacciu says he reported everything to his superiors, and as number three in the Vatican, his superiors would have been the Secretary of State and the Pope. He would report periodically to the Pope on various issues. There were many issues. So he would report normally every three, six months to the Pope. The question is, what depth he would go into with the question. I mean, the, the Pope is head of state. He's the spiritual leader of the Catholic Church. He's the head of the Vatican City State. One cannot really expect that he will be going into every detail on every question. And so normally what happens, my understanding and from my years here, is that the uh, person like Archbishop Becci would come and say, maybe give the Pope a page, maybe two pages, saying this is what we're doing, etc., etc., and maybe the Pope would ask, well, is there any problem with it? And if he was assured there was no problem with it and he trusted the person who was doing it, it went ahead. But to say the Pope signed off on it, yes, you can say that, but it's a question of what information was presented to the Pope, whether the problems involved were presented to the Pope. There are a lot of open questions here. How were the middlemen chosen? How much responsibility did each of the people involved on the Vatican side have? And how much did the Pope know? Those questions are exactly what the Vatican's judicial investigation are looking into. I asked Jerry what the timeline for that investigation looked like, and when we might have answers. We don't know right now what stage the investigation is at. Some people have suggested that maybe by the summer we will have clarity on this. But obviously they will have to decide to either bring charges against the five or six people that have been mentioned earlier, or to say, no, no, there's no charge against you. If they bring charges, then there will be a court trial a tri in the Vatican Tribunal. And we've assisted at some of these in the past. If there's a trial, then we have to see what other evidence might appear that the prosecutors have not caught hold of. As the investigation continues, I was curious how this bodes for Pope Francis's broader financial reforms. Before Francis was elected in 2013, the cardinals who were about to go into conclave met to discuss the problems facing the church. And it was clear that they wanted to elect a pope who could sort out the corruption that had plagued the Vatican's financial system and led to the Vatican Bank being used for money laundering. When Francis was elected, he started putting in place checks and balances to keep an eye on the finances. But the problems haven't all been resolved. I asked Jerry if he thought that Francis's reforms were working. Uh, definitely, because this question would not have come to light without the head of the Vatican Bank going to Francis. This is very clear that the internal structures that have been put in place in these years are in fact taking effect. They're working. That some people operating inside may carry out operations that are not licit or questionable. Uh, is, is, it's a reality in any, most government offices, they, you have some problems. So the first thing, the structures are there and they're working. Secondly, Francis has given the clearance to the judicial authorities where problems of this kind emerge, you intervene. You go where the evidence takes you and the judges have the full authority to prosecute whosoever is responsible. Thirdly, the big question, as I said earlier, 
that has to be answered is these middlemen or intermediaries, who chooses them? And in this case, who chose them? What verification had been carried out in them? What controls were operative on them? And the, there, there is big responsibility. I think they have to answer these questions, and I expect that that will be done. One thing is clear. The Pope wants the question of how money is handled, how money is spent, how it's invested, has to be crystal clear so that every person in a parish who puts in a dollar or less or more can be sure that the money I give to the Holy Father for Peter Spence or the money I give in other contributions is not being misused, but is being used for the best possible purposes and especially for helping the poor. The Pope has said several times, the money the Church has is money for the poor. Jerry and I will keep you up to date on how this investigation and the larger story of Pope Francis's work to reform Vatican finance are progressing here on Inside the Vatican. If you enjoyed this special explainer episode of Inside the Vatican and want us to go into more detail on another topic that you've been curious about, send us an email at insidethevatican at americamedia.org. Jerry, thanks for taking a second to, to talk with me about this. I think, uh, you know, I really appreciate getting to hear from your perspective, your expert perspective, you know, what's actually going on with these stories. You know, thank you, Colleen. I hope our listeners have got some clarity. I always say here that the reality in the Vatican is often much better than Dan Brown's novels. <laughs> All right, Jerry. Well, we'll have more stories for our listeners next week, so I will talk to you then. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This week's episode was produced by Tucker Redding. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Noah Levinson. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org or follow us on Twitter at I-N-S-D-E Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I. You can also send us an email at insidethevatican at americamedia.org. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Dully. We'll see you next time.